Artemis endeavors to get more women and girls in the field and on the water. To support women as leaders in the conservation movement. To ensure the vitality of our lands, waters, and wildlife. Artemis endeavors to change the face of conservation. Welcome to the Artemis Podcast. I am your host, Marsha Brownlee, and our co-host today is Maggie Human. Hi, Maggie. Hey, Marsha. How's it going? It's good. I'm excited to have you back on the podcast today. It's been a while. I know. It has been a hot minute since I've been on here, or maybe a cold minute, depending on where you are right now. (laughs) It's probably been a hot and a cold minute, given the time that it's passed. I'll have to look back and see. Um, Yeah. Do you, uh, some, a lot of things have changed. Do you want to talk about it or do you just want to dive into the conversation? <laughs> um, yeah. So just a lot of life changes for me, changed jobs. I'm now working for Trout Unlimited as their manager of volunteer operations, which is awesome. Um, really enjoying that so far. And I've got a baby due four weeks from yesterday. So four weeks from yesterday? That's another yeah I March can't 1st. I can't believe that time has flown by that quickly hi that's crazy yeah I keep saying I thought I had like nine months to prepare for this <laughs> now yeah. it's like jump of the week now you got four and weeks it's gonna be crunch time yeah that's awesome I can't wait um to but we're to, excited yeah. I can't wait to meet you a new art baby yay <laughs> I started I need to get you a onesie I'll do that Oh, yeah. Got to have my little Artemis outfit, mm-hmm. especially if it's a girl. Mm-hmm. Well, we need to. Yeah. Either way, we get unisex onesies. <laughs> but... <laughs> it can be an Artemis or an Artemis lady. I love it. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm excited to have you on for this conversation. Me too. It sounds like it's going to be a fun one. And our guest today is Amber Cornack. Hi, Amber. Hey, Marcia and Maggie. How's it going? It's great. Thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Uh, let's dive right in and uh, give us a glimpse at your hunter soul. What's in your freezer? So right now we have elk and deer meat. And the only other thing I got in there is a bear paw. <laughs> bear paw. Why Why do you have a bear paw? <laughs> Well, I, you know, um, when I was working in Idaho, we had quite a few bears get hit by cars or, um, you know, we occasionally had to put a bear down and I was trying to really wanted to make, um, bear paw molds to give to kids and get, um, like make the, I guess it would be the negative. So that way kids can make the positive or the opposite, whichever one it is. And so I cut the bear paws off of one of the black bears. And so I tried it with one bear paw, it didn't work. And so I've got the other one in there to try and see if I can make it a mold with that one. So super cool. That's awesome. I have, so I, yeah, I was I, doing it on my kitchen table and my boyfriend did not love that. So I had to move it out to the garage. <laughs> what's wrong with doing it on the kitchen table? <laughs> I know that's what I said, but apparently it stunk a little bit. Okay. <laughs> well, that's fair. <laughs> I I have a, a bear hide um, that I I have this little reading nook upstairs in my loft that's on the floor um, on top of some cushions. And I had a bear hide on top of it just to provide some lovely warmth and fuzziness. And my new dog um, decided to eat the paws off, um, which I didn't. Oh, no. Yeah. It, you know, it's just the hide. It's not like a, a rug or anything. So I wasn't devastated 
I was more like, all right, like, is this a vet bill? Are you, are you going to be okay? <laughs> but she seems to have been okay. But yeah, she ate the whole, like, you know, the, the claws, the hair. She pooped out bare hair for about a week. Um, the pads, everything. So interesting. And then I'm oh, like, man. what chemicals are on that that are going to mess with you later? But she's, <laughs> she seems to be fine. She's a little. Well, at least it's not like arsenic anymore. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. At least we got that going yeah. for us. Yeah. Oh. What kind of dog did you end up getting, Marsha? She's a mutt. She's a super mutt. Um, yeah. Five-year-old rescue who seems to be like a mix of uh-huh. a Labrador and a pit bull. Um, but she's okay. just high energy sweetheart who, yeah, who's an aggressive snuggler. Yep. Nice. <laughs> and apparently loves to chew on bear paws. It's anyway, I don't need to go down this rabbit hole because <laughs> uh, we could talk about uh, uh, more interesting things than people hearing more about my dog because I could go on forever. Um, tell us a little bit about who you are, Amber. So I uh, grew up in Michigan, the Lower Thumb area. Um, I moved out of there when I was 18 and moved out to Montana, started college initially at Carroll College in Helena. Oh, wow. And my parents actually followed me. They uh, they bought a place a couple years prior to me moving here, and then they just said, we're done too, so we're just going to move with you. So we've been in Montana uh, almost 15 years now. Um, which has been really great. Um, my parents have, I can't say too much for me because I've been in and out of Montana and kind of all over the place. Um, I've been doing wildlife work for about eight years now. I ended up getting my degree from Oregon State University. Um, I spent four years prior to that at the community college um, getting my associates in accounting because I just didn't know what I wanted to do. And once I finally figured it out, got rid of some negative influences in my life, I was like, yeah, wildlife fit. And Oregon State just happened to have everything in any department that you could ever want. So if I decided to change my major again, <laughs> it wouldn't have been a problem. Nice. <laughs> um, so yeah, so and I've been um, worked all over the United States. And that's been really great and fortunate and get got some really good experience with that. So, so I'm curious what brings about uh, Michigan person to uh carroll college how'd that happen um well i came from a really small town and i really liked helena um and so i wanted to go to well i thought a smaller school would be oh i was gonna say had you visited helena before um no we actually we so we did a road trip when i was 14 um, just like throughout Wyoming and Yellowstone and all that. And we hadn't seen Helena, but I just was looking for a small school and Carol happened to be a small school. And at the time I thought it would be a good fit. It ended up not being a good fit for me, but um, yeah. And, you know, I just wanted to get out to Montana. So that was my ticket in. <laughs> cool. Yeah. Um, and I'm curious about your background as a wildlife biologist and researcher. Is your specialty bears? Um, I have done a lot of bear work. I would say my specialty is definitely more big game. So elk, deer, um, larger wildlife. I do enjoy doing, you know, small carnivore stuff. I haven't done a ton of it. 
Um, I enjoy that as well, but I'm more of a, a big game person. I do have a lot of berry experience and that's kind of where um, I've been leading to. And, but I'm very much up for deer and elk and switching it up. Um, I've, you know, I've been living up in Eureka for a little bit and just, and hiking and hunting in this area and seeing all the habitat that needs improvement. Um, and I just, I'm like, man, I need to get back out and do some elk and deer research. We really got to build this up because there could be so much more for the elk and deer out in this area. And it's just, I mean, the forest service gets sued all the time. So their projects are behind, they want to do so much. And then, so I'm just, my brain is just racking with what I can do voluntarily and just get out there and make a better habitat for elk and deer. So that's very cool. What was your, what's been your favorite job so far? Oh man, that's a tough one. Every, every job has, has such a key component to it that I really enjoy. Um, I can't say that one is better than the other. Um, I've, I've had some really good moments. Um, when I was working with Oregon Department of Fish and Wildlife, I was working on a deer project and we actually had a deer. I wasn't even, we, it wasn't even part of the project. We had a deer fall into like a big mulch pit. They do a lot of, um, they have a lot of timber stuff going on over there and, and forest companies over there. And we had a deer fall into a mulch pit. And so I was, there was nobody else available. So I was the it girl to go out there and dart this deer. I had one of my really good mentors out with me and he just let me run with it. And I was still going to school at Oregon State and just had just started off. And she's just laying down there in this mulch pit and darted her. And then they climbed down and took her out. And, you know, we worked up, took some samples and then we let her go. And stuff like that is memorable stuff. So each one of my jobs just has something so memorable where it's just really key components like that. You know, she wasn't hurt. She was good to go. I mean, she kind of fell in a ball of fluff, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, So that was really great. So like I said, each it's hard to pick, to pick one. And I love, you know, when it comes to bears, I love educating folks about bears and, uh, and talking to people and and hearing their different bear stories and hearing when people are like, Oh, I had no idea that that's, you know, that black bears come in so many different colors and they can send, they can look like grizzly bears and just hearing and, and working with the public. I've always really enjoyed, um, and, and hearing their stories and, uh, hearing their hunting stories and their fishing stories and being able to connect with them and, and have them appreciate wildlife in, in the world that we live in. Uh, it's really great. So. Can you say more about the colors? Because I think, you know, when we talked previously, um, that was one thing that really surprised me that I wasn't aware about grizzly bear coat colors. Uh, Because I think there's a common understanding that, you know, black bears can have different tones. And so you could get like a cinnamon black bear. But I was under the impression that grizzly bears are brown pretty much all the time. Yeah. And I I would say that probably for the majority of the time they might be, but they definitely come in a variety of colors. You know, they can come in blonde, they can have just the grizzled tips, they can be dark, 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 dark brown where they almost appear black. And there's been black colored grizzly bears out there. So that's one thing when I'm educating folks, you know, even when I'm whatever job I'm working and when they ask about bears, I always say, you know, color and size are not indicators when determining a grizzly bear versus a black bear. 
Um, I, that is the first thing that I tell people. And like you said, it's, it's shocking for folks. And, and I have a slide that shows different uh, pictures of grizzly bears and black bears and just kind of compares them. And folks are like, holy cow, they had no idea. And, and sometimes, you know, pictures can obviously make them look a little darker than maybe what they were. But that, that being said, that just goes to show, hey, even in a picture, they, you may not quite know what which bear this is so it hopefully opens their eyes a little bit more when they're out in the wild when they're like oh maybe I don't know how to tell the difference it definitely made me stop and think because you know where I live in Montana there's there's grizzly nearby and I think Mm -hmm. um, I was under the impression that I would be able to uh, identify a lot more quickly than that now that I think now with that information Maggie did you know that I did not how do you feel uh, about it? <laughs> I'm, kind of in the same, I'm, I'm kind of in the same boat, though. I'm like, <laughs> um, I've got a trailhead behind my house that accesses national forests. And all I hear about, because we have tons and tons of different species of berries that are back there, is all the blackberries behind my house. And then, you know, one night a couple of years ago, I was sitting at a brewery and somebody tells me like, Oh yeah, you know there's a grizzly den behind your house, and I was like, really? <laughs> and, uh, mm. <laughs> um, I definitely thought it was more of a a black bear area, but I um, that's good information to know for sure because I was very well aware of like the color differences in the black bears, but not that with the grizzlies. I want to get in. I have more questions about that for you, Amber, and I definitely want to dig into okay. um, a lot of things about identification and. Um, backcountry habits, especially as a hunter, uh, because I know in my experience here in Montana, it's something that I consider when I'm choosing a location to hunt. And when I've had people from out of state come out and hunt with me, I know that's a primary concern is bears in general, not just um, grizzly bears. And so I think there's a lot of um, information and conversation that can be had about hunting in uh, bear territory and hunting in grizzly territory. but if you don't mind, I would love to dig into a little bit uh, about your your experience with grizzlies specifically and, and your attack, because I think that's something that we are all uh, afraid of, to be blunt. Yeah. <laughs> and, and yeah, would you mind telling us that story? You know, I would, but I'm pretty sure it's just a rumor, Marsha. <laughs> Totally kidding. I'm totally kidding. It happened. Uh, Um, I I am open to telling it. It's like a walking, it's like a waking dream, right? It's a rumor so real. (laughs) I swear it happened. It's all all lore. You got her on the podcast and she's really just a bear researcher. She never got attacked. (laughs) That's okay. I could go there too. We all want to hear. Everybody's chomping at the bit. Yeah, literally. Yes. And anytime somebody <laughs> asks me about that, yeah. Anytime somebody asks me about that, that's what I always say. I'm like, you know, I'm pretty sure that's just a rumor. And some people's eyes go really big, like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. And other people look at me like, I'm like, I'm just kidding. It happened. <laughs> you know? so it's a good way to make people laugh. Um, it's I appreciate yeah, that because it's hard. I mean, obviously, I'm assuming it was a fairly traumatic experience. And so people are like, tell me more. It feels a little invasive for sure. <laughs> no, I'm happy to tell, I'm happy to tell you guys. Um, it'll actually be, so this year it'll be four years. So it was in 2018, May of 2018. 
And I had actually just started working on a grizzly bear project, uh, collecting hair from barbed wire that they put on trees and uh, setting up corrals with cameras. And so we had done a few days of training and then we were kicked off and headed out on our own. So I was out by myself. I It was like my third or fourth day on the job. And uh, I, it was, there was still snow out there and, you know, the river below me was roaring pretty loud and I was making a ton of noise. I was roughly, I don't know, two miles back there and making a lot of noise. And then, you know, you stop every few seconds and came into this open avalanche chute and you're, I was about to start making noise again. And I just heard this, and I turned to my left and they ended up measuring it. He was like 11 or 12 feet from me. And I knew immediately it was a grizzly bear. And so I just turned to my right. I dropped down on the ground. At that point, he was already on my back. He had smacked my back, clawed up my arm. His entire body was on top of me. And I had bear spray and was just slowly trying to work it out. And I finally got it out and he reached over. He bit down on my skull. I reached over my left arm, sprayed him, and he took off. Wow. Yeah, it's a, it's a testament to bear spray right there for sure. It is. Yeah. <laughs> um. So I so I'm. It's really interesting because you were obviously in known grizzly territory um, for this research project, mm-hmm. and it sounds like it was just those conditions where neither one of you could hear very well until you were on top of each other. Yeah, I would definitely say so, and he at that, let's see, four years ago, he would have been some, somewhere in his twenties. Um, so he was a much, he was an older bear and, uh, he's, he's got a really cool history. So he was king, he was king of, you know, he is no longer existing, but he was king of the cabinet. So, I mean, he was, um, producing cubs, like he had a lot of, of kids out there and, um, yeah, so he was much older and maybe, I don't know if they know a ton about, how well bears can hear and he was pretty focused you know I'm sure he was digging up some rocks and just to the left I mean just behind him you dropped down and you went straight down to the river so Mm. I mean there was just a straight drop off so he was probably like I said just digging around in rocks and not really listening and maybe he couldn't hear um in general uh, a ton and with all the other noises included so and you were able to make it out, like, how how injured were you and how far were you from help? So I, so I was roughly two miles from my truck, and then I was at least three from, like, um, the main, I was, I, I'm pretty sure I was more than that, um, from the main road. So... I had an inreach on me, so I hit the SOS button. Well, after he, he got off me, I sat there for a few seconds wondering if he was actually gone. Um, and finally, just you know, picked my head up, turned around, didn't see him, and I just picked all my stuff up. Um, I had a pack on and everything, and I don't, I don't know if anything fell out. I don't really remember that part. I think, I think I grabbed, like, my bug spray or something. Um, but yeah, I hit the SOS button and then I just started walking myself out and I just was yelling the entire time. Uh, the minute he bit down on my skull, my hearing, it just went, it was a buzzing noise. I mean, not the minute, the second, within a second, he was, it was just gone. Like it was just a ringing in my left ear. And so 
I was just yelling like crazy, had my bear spray in my hand the whole time. I was like, and I only had, I don't even think I had a quarter left. Like I barely had anything left in that can. And I just kept walking, just kept walking. I just kept going. I was like, I'm going, I'm going to make it out of here. I'm going to at least make it to my truck because of where I was figured it was going to be really hard for the ambulance. It was going to take a long time. They weren't going to be able to drive up there. They were going to have to walk. I was like, I can walk. I can see. I'm going to keep going. So I just kept going. Um, I got to my truck, which was super nerving, you know, on, you're just walking down the road and you're, you don't know if you're going to run into a moose or another bear. And I didn't have an extra can of bear spray. Um, and at one point I was thinking to myself, man, it'd be really nice to find a moose shed or something right now, you know, <laughs> just trying to keep my mind positive. Um, wow. and so I got to my truck, um, and I took all my stuff off and said, you know, I can drive. So I got in my, in my work truck and I started driving. It was bear season. So I was like, I'm, I'm bound to run into somebody. So I just started driving and then there's pavement that I hit. And to be honest, I can't remember how far along that was. Um, I had to have been over three miles but with everything. And so once I hit that pavement, I just led foot to the ground and was honking my horn. And then finally, I ended up running into somebody and got him to pull over. And I walked up to his truck and he just turns to me, he goes, oh, dear. And I said, excuse me, I got attacked by a bear. Can you take me to the local hospital? <laughs> and he said, of course. And he had this big bull, like massive in his truck, so this huge dog in his truck. And the dog's like, hey, what's going on? What are you doing? And he was a retired uh, veteran. And so he knew what to do. Like he was talking to me, trying to make sure that I didn't pass out or become unconscious. And we finally ran into the ambulance. And again, it may have been a mile, may have been a couple miles and he flagged them down and then, you know, put me in there. Um, and then they life flighted me. They actually met the helicopter at Happy's Inn, which is a bar in between Libby and Kalispell. And so the <laughs> helicopter flew there and they life flighted me over to Kalispell. <laughs> My gosh, I have so many more questions. No. <laughs> no, please, please ask away. <laughs> like, have you gone back to that spot since then? I have, yeah. So my dad and I actually went back. Then let's see, because I was off all. Did we go back that year? We might have gone back at the end of the summer, or it might have been the next year. I'm trying to remember, but I have been back and checked it out and looking at. Of course, I'm pretty sure it was that year we went back and we just went and took a walk. It was like August, and it was so much different, right? Because so everything's grown up. It wasn't May, and I'm like, this is where it happened, you know? <laughs> I'm like, what? <laughs> it doesn't look anything like this, you know, and it, um, it was crazy, but I wanted to go and my dad wanted to go. Um, so I was like, yeah, let's go. We, we might as well. Cause I was, was curious, you know? So. And you said the Grizz is no longer with us. Um, so I'm wondering too, like it was then most likely unprovoked. Like it's not like you stumbled on a carcass or anything like that where he was feeding, like it was just like a straight up attack. So did he get euthanized or, have they just found him dead from old age or what was the deal there? Yeah. So they, um, they, you know, they do an entire vest investigation. So um, after I was injured, they, they send, you know, anywhere from, I don't know, eight to 14 people, depending on who's available to go up and depending on what the site looks like. And they go out to see if, you know, the bear is still around and to gather any evidence and to 
you know, try to see if they can combine it with my story and get tracks and identify the bear. Um, so they collect all this data. And so it was very much um, just a surprise encounter. So it wasn't uh, predation. It wasn't um, anything where, you know, like you said, he was over a carcass or anything. It was very much just a surprise encounter. And we just happened to run into each other, didn't see each other. And so, and that's what I told them. And they asked me multiple times if I was for sure it was a grizzly bear. And I said, it was a grizzly bear. And I, I mean, I just knew, I just, I just knew that it, it was a grizzly bear. And so they actually collected hair um, and they were able to determine what bear it was. So it's 770 is his number. Um, and they, I told him, I was like, look, it was, it was super random surprise encounter. And I asked them not to do anything, but I, I, like I said, they have to, that's, that's their choice. Um, if he had been there and tried to attack again, that something, it may have been a different outcome. Um, so that, that's very much based on their investigation. So they didn't end up doing anything, but a couple years later, you know, he is fairly old. He came down into Libby and he started breaking into garages and he started you know putting holes in garages and he ended up putting a hole in I can't remember if it was like a pole barn or a garage or you know something that had an elk in it and he dragged the elk out so um they threw a collar on him and they tried to track him and then he ended up doing it again and so at that point they when well, they set another trap and when they finally caught him they ended up putting him down so because he had broken into multiple enclosed buildings so um, he had never been a management problem before. They did research, um, captured him uh, prior to, and so that's how they knew his number and knew who he was. He didn't have a call or anything on when he, it was his encounter with me. Um, and then, like I said, he just ended up, you know, closer to town and Libby started breaking into stuff. So he ended up being put down really for management reasons. I'm just guessing that he just got like an old man asshole streak going. Like he just <laughs> yeah. was, he was fine for a while and then decided he was just going to go off the rails. Like maybe his girlfriend broke up with him or something. Well, and I'm sure he was getting pushed out by other young males too, right? So mm -hmm. when they put him down, I mean, his teeth were just shattered. And so I actually saw him. I got to meet him. I helped skin him. Um, my dad yeah. and I helped skin him out. Um, so I actually oh, wow. I got That's to see cool. him. Yeah. Yeah, it was a, uh, it was pretty crazy. At that point, when they put him down, I want to say he weighed around 550 pounds, somewhere in there. So I mean, he was a pretty big, he was a pretty big bear. His nails were super long. I mean, really long. Like didn't even look like he had really been digging. So um, possibly, definitely got pushed out by some other males. And like you said, he was just tired of it. And so, but. Yeah, yeah. Um, but but so post attack. Oh, sorry, Marsha. I keep do it. Go for it, Maggie. I have so many questions. But um, so post attack, just because I live in grizzly territory too, and I've had a couple friends with experiences. Um, an old neighbor and a good friend where they've discharged more than one can on a bear. And so, do you recommend like carrying two cans of bear spray with you at all times? Because like. My my go-to is I've got my underneath, I've got one can of bear spray, and I usually have like a 45 on my hip, which is just like probably more of a comfort thing than an actual going to use it thing. Um, but what mm -hmm. is your recommendation for what to carry 
in the wilderness. Oh, I recommend two cans all the way, especially, especially if you're going out by yourself. So if you're going out by yourself, two cans. And I, no matter who I'm going out with, I have two cans um, and they need to at least have a can. If they're going out with me, they better have at least a can of bear spray. Otherwise, I don't really want to go out with them because mm-hmm. you just never know. So, you know, you can have your bear spray on you and, but I may not be able to deploy it. If that bears knocks me on the ground, I may not be able to deploy it. So I need my partner to be able to deploy it. Um, and so, and it works. I mean, it, it, it really does work. And, uh, you know, if people want to carry guns as well, that's totally fine. Bear spray first gun second and that is what i recommend folks um just because you don't know and even with black bears it's the same thing you can shoot a bear if you try to shoot a bear and you wound it all you're going to do is piss it off Mm -hmm. so are you going to risk pissing it off versus just trying it trying the bear spray first and seeing if that works so you got to kind of weigh weigh your options so i'm just yeah i mean i've worked oh sorry marcia go for it (laughs) Um, I was going to say, I've worked retail for the last like 10 plus years and always a retailer that sells bear spray. And that's always like, I don't necessarily mean to do it, but selling fear is like a huge part of it because people will come in and like, do I need bear spray? Well, I'm going up into the park and I'm going with my family. And I, I remember last summer we had a family of like, you know, six people, maybe two parents and four kids. And they were kind of arguing at the door the mom and dad were they were walking out and he's like honey we need bear spray and she goes no we don't no we don't and then they start to walk out I just said famous last word and <laughs> man they turned yeah. around and bought two cans so fast <laughs> so I mean it's just it's such such a an important thing to have when you're traveling in grizzly country no matter how big your group is because like you said you sometimes are going to have to depend on your partner and it doesn't necessarily mean that just one can for the group is going to suffice. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I completely agree. And I'll say even in black bear country too, I mean, I carry, uh, I carry my bear spray no matter where I am, because if you, if you remember and you constantly have it on you and you constantly are ready, even in black, even with black bears, then you will be ready for grizzly bears because they can do the same behaviors. Grizzly bears can be predatorial, Black bears can be predatorial. You can have a surprise encounter with a black bear and you can have a surprise encounter with a grizzly bear and they could do the same thing. Majority of the time, black bears run away, but not always. If they're over a carcass, they may defend it just as much as a grizzly bear would defend it. Um, A bear is a bear. They do very similar things. And even majority of the time, grizzly bears run away. If you're making a lot of noise, clapping your hands. They don't really want to be around us. They want to have anything to do with us. They normally do end up running away or walking away and you don't end up even end up seeing them. So black bear, grizzly bear, I mean, carry your bear spray no matter what. Mm -hmm. I'm really struck by how much presence of mind it seems like you had throughout the entire attack, right? Like to still reach for and deploy your bear spray and then to successfully navigate your way back to your truck um i mean your thinking was sharp did it feel like that (laughs) at the time (laughs) my so when i heard that sound and i turned and saw him my first thought was i'm going to survive i'm going to walk out of here and that was my goal and that was 
that was my only goal. And so that's why I turned in the right, covered my guts, dropped down to the ground. And I just, I just did what I had to do. And that, that was my goal. I was going to survive. I was going to walk out of there. Um, I didn't think I'd lose my hearing in the process, but. Right. Was that part of the training? Like the, you know, the, I, I think in part it perhaps it's instinctual. Um, but I'm also curious if that was part of the training for this particular research project, like to, 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 to get down on the ground, to cover your soft spots, like, or was that purely instincts for you? Um, I think it was a little bit of both. So we did, you know, we did a little bit of training, um, but also research. So I'd done a lot of research and, and talking with the, you know, the wildlife biologist and the local bear manager and, and just, and doing my research. And I think that is one thing that, that folks don't do when they go to Yellowstone or they go to Glacier is they're so excited to see animals, but nobody really researches on the animals and the behaviors. And that goes to say with any animal like elk, right? You know, you've got people being charged by elk in the middle of September because they're in the rut and they're like, I don't understand. It's like, it's a wild animal. They still may be in the state park. They're still wild. They're just, they're wild in a different way. Um, so they still have all those interactions. So I think doing your research is just so key and knowing, knowing what you're getting into when you get out there. Same thing with Florida. Like a lot of people don't know there's black bears in Florida. I carried bear spray when I was in Florida. I mean, they've had bears get black bears get into Disney World before, you know. Uh, so you just you got to do your research and and know know the world that you're going into, know the habitat, know know the animals, and that and you'll you'll enjoy it a lot more. You'll see a grizzly bear from afar and you're like, oh man, that's super cool. And then you turn and go the opposite way, or you go you know you go a different direction, or or maybe you keep going because the bear is moving on the other side. And so um, really just helps you enjoy it a lot more. And I think it's so important too, when we're talking about like coexistence, right? Because these animals are are important mm -hmm. for, for a lot of reasons. They're important to the ecosystem. They're important inherently. They're important culturally. There's just, they're important and, uh, and coexistence is hard. And so I think like if people... Um, if nature being in nature is important to people, then the responsibility they have to be informed about how to do that as safely as possible, knowing, like you said, that these are wild and nothing's predictable. Um, but there's a responsibility to be informed. Yeah. That's a great way of putting it, Marcia. I like that. Yeah. We've had a pretty wild time here, you know, in the Jackson area for the last, I think it's like 20 some odd years at this point where they've been tracking 399. Are you familiar with her story? That's the one that's had like a million babies. Oh, Is that right? Yes. Yeah. Mm. She's got, she's got that little genetic thing going on where she has triplets quite a bit. And so she started rearing them near the road to protect them from, you know, male grizzlies killing them as, as young cubs. And this past what year, two years ago, she had quadruplets. And so it's just drawn, photographers from all over the world and people from all over the world just trying to chase her down and she's so habituated at this point like she's very mm -hmm. visible to the public and she mauled a guy I want to say in like 2006 or 7 and they deemed that justifiable because he stumbled upon a carcass and that was why she mauled him and so like they've collared her and tracked her you know ever since then um but in the last two years 
she's been cruising into town. She started getting into trash cans. And it's the most bizarre thing in the world to me that um, you can go to like Asheville, North Carolina, and they've got bear-proof trash cans, but we don't have bear-proof trash cans at Jackson Hole. Wow. Um, so that's like a huge topic that's going on through the city and county right now is, is bear-proofing trash cans. But it's been uh, quite the experience to see her behaviors change over the years and like her starting to to get into people's, you know, horse feed and stuff like that. And I'm just like, there's so much interest around it. You wonder how it's going to end up, if it's going to end up like your bear friend, you know, and just cause a whole ruckus of people getting upset and everything because she's going to end up having to be euthanized because she gets so habituated. And, you know, that coexistence factor is so important that we do it right so that we prevent things like this from happening. But it's a really interesting story to follow if you Google 399 bear, I'm sure you'll find umpteen million articles. That's such an interesting, and from what it sounds like, and and let me know if it's different from your local perspective, but you have this bear who's drawn a lot of interest. And so people seek her out and that must have played a role in the habituation where she's like no longer as fearful to come into town because she's seen all of these people and nothing bad has happened. Do you think that kind of eased her sensitivity to venture a little bit closer to to town oh totally totally i mean she like i go to yellowstone quite a bit my sister's a ranger in grand teton and so like it's just become a thing like like at certain times of the day the wildlife brigades will go ahead and be at pullouts and then you'll start seeing the cars build up and like for a bear to walk up on 50 cars pulled over with like giant tripods out and people everywhere I mean, it's more kind of like to go into a mall, I feel like, than being in the wilderness. And like, she's just so used to seeing cars and people and, you know, just people stuff. And so I think that that's really made it super easy for her to just be like, oh, cool, I'm going to come strolling through the town square, which she did this fall. And people were just losing their (laughs) minds because we've got a grizzly that's just walking through the middle of town and no bear-proof trash cans. (laughs) So it's just... Um, it's just going to be a really sad story if something does end up happening to her because of this habituation. And I know that there's going to be a whole lot of people that'll get upset about it. Yeah. It's amazing how people get upset when wildlife managers are trying to protect them yet they'll go right out and they'll try to touch her and try to get closer and try to take pictures and then they get mad at us because we end up having to put the bear down because of um you know she got so habituated and started attacking people getting into people's houses and um that's tough to get talk to the public and and try to explain it because some people just see this beautiful beautiful bear and they just want to protect it. Um, and so that's something I think wildlife managers, we educate, 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 but it's so hard to break through that, you know, difference that just, she's a bear, she's wild. We've, we're trying to protect you and you're not allowing us to protect you, so. Yeah, I mean, they even found, um, I won't name any names, but they even found one lady on the Southern end of the park which is kind of the first neighborhood that you hit as you're starting to come into town and get into more houses who had like a trough of molasses who she'd put it out there and was like, Oh, it's for the moose. Well, I mean, it shouldn't be for the moose either. It shouldn't be for any wild animal, 
but she had made a habit of of going to that year after year and I think that that's what really started making her accustomed to you know venturing further into town so you know there was a big education around that is huge um yeah feeding animals drives me crazy that's a whole nother topic (laughs) (laughs) that's a different podcast yeah I want to I want to I want to switch the conversation a little bit because we're talking about kind of the bear's presence in our territory, um, which uh, like, yeah, I mean, is a really important consideration. And there's a lot of responsibility that we have and that we can do better in that regard to to help keep them safe. But I want to talk also about um, us, quote unquote, on their territory, particularly as hunters, because I think that there's one thing to like be walking my dog in grizzly territory and clapping and singing Jolene at the top of my lungs to scare them away. Um, but it's another thing to be, <laughs> I thought, yes, I don't know why that song in particular popped into my head, but that's, um, that's a great image, Marcia. Thank you for leaving us. Alone. You're welcome. Yeah. I, I promise not to sing it here. Um, and you're welcome. Uh, but, but it's another thing entirely to be creeping quietly through the woods in pursuit of an animal. Or um, I think what's even, uh, a bigger concern for me to be bending over a carcass, skinning it or, or field dressing it um, to carry it out by myself. And so I guess my question for you is, do you avoid those places when you're hunting as much as possible? Uh, or what precautions do you take if you don't? So you know, it kind of depends. I, I try not to go out hunting by myself. And if I do, I go out where it's an open area, I can glass, I'm, I'm going to know kind of what's around me. But I, I try not to go out by myself. Like I said, I lost all my hearing in my last year. So I have to work 10 times harder than um, other folks when they're out hunting because I cannot hear well. And not only can I not hear well, I can't locate. So I may have one good ear, but I can't locate. So I've got sounds coming and I'm kind of spinning around in circles trying to figure out where that sound is actually coming from. Um, And that makes it very, very tough for me. So like I said, I always carry two cans of bear spray and I am, it's actually taught me to be more aware of my surroundings. So to look more, to lift up my head more when we are skinning, when we're to check my surroundings, to reminded me to set my bear spray right next to that carcass. It literally, if, I, if I'm taking everything off and then to pull out my second can of bear spray and set it on top of my bag to have all my, it's taught me to be more organized, which, you know, when it's like 90 degrees out and you just killed a deer, uh, maybe that wasn't the best idea, but maybe it was like 60 when you started, you killed the deer and you're still trying to work it up and get 90 years. It may be a little tougher, but if it's going to save your life and you just end up getting rid of a little bit of the meat from the deer, it's worth it. And so definitely it's taught me that there's more to just hearing and being able to hear well. And so that's super valuable. And and one thing I recommend to folks, there's are, there are these things called, they're called a critter getter. And it's a loud noise making um, motion detected machine I guess you call it I don't even know if it's a machine it's just this little handheld um device that you just put in a nine volt battery and we loan them out to folks all the time when they have a bear that's 
you know, consistently trying to get into their bear resistant garbage can or, you know, we put one out if we're unable to fully electrify an entire space. So we'll put a couple of those out and it's got, a, you know, a 90 degree angle and it's pretty widespread. It goes out about 40 feet. And they're really light. And so a lot of, um, I recommend them for hunters to take them out because you can set it on a tree or set it near where, you know, at a bear's height and set that up. And then when the, something walks by, by, walks by it and goes, it goes off, you'll know in a heartbeat and that'll catch your, um, that'll catch you. And you'll be like, okay, something just walked by, you'll be able to turn around. Um, and that'll help out some too. And you just, you would put it, you know, maybe 10, 20 feet away from probably 20 feet, a little further away from you. So that way when it does go off and I mean, those work great for camping as well. If you're really in heavy grizzly bear country, those will work really well. And like I said, they're super lightweight. What is it called again? It's called a critter getter. Critter getter. I've never heard of this. This is, yeah. I haven't either. That's, that's really neat. Cause yeah, I mean, that's definitely one of the like conundrums about hunting out here and like being quiet I had my first really like heart palpitating experience this fall because I had an elk tag which uh, you know in Idaho I was not I'm not as as spoiled as I was when I was in Wyoming where I only have about a week that I can go out and I ended up only with a couple days because of my work schedule and I went out one day and it had snowed the hours previous to when I got out and so you could see everything really well and I ended up on a trail that I had scouted out, you know, found a lot of signs of elk and had not hunted there before and ended up on the trail just like right behind a bear. <laughs> and there was just bear tracks all in the snow. <laughs> and then I got got to some hot poop and then I was like, I'm gonna turn around. <laughs> some hot poop. <laughs> not even some cold not poop, but some hot poop. <laughs> Pregnant lady chasing a bear is not smart. Um but yeah, I mean I had a coworker last fall who's whole entire elk got eaten by Grizz because he killed it you know in the evening hours and Mm -hmm. had to leave it overnight and came back the next day and it was just totally gone and another friend who's a camp chef for an elk outfit and I didn't realize you always hear that like grizzlies can't climb trees right and I didn't realize how (laughs) adept they were at actually climbing stuff um and she that they had all their elk hung up on a, a pole and a grizz came and got a bunch of their meat, got a couple of quarters from them um, in the evening and they saw it and it ran off and they were like, Oh, it was a hundred percent a grizzly. Um, which leads me to my next question is like her experience this fall and sharing that all with me, um, how many grizzlies they saw within a week of being in the backcountry. Um, you know, do you feel like the population's recovered? Do you feel like that there's, a lot of grizzlies or do you feel like there still needs to be work done there or do you feel like we're in a a good place with the numbers now so i feel um i will say that uh, i grizzly bears can 100 percent climb trees and that is definitely something that i educate folks on as well is that uh grizzly because they're like oh grizzly bears can't climb grizzly bears can climb trees yes (laughs) especially the young ones they can shoot right up the tree just as much um And I will say, you know, depending on the area that we're in and um, what they're trying to delist right now, yeah, I'd say that grizzlies are definitely up um, and they have recovered. And, you know, if they end up delisting them, I think that would be great. The whole, the process of delisting is really just to get 
that species to the state and for the state to be able to management, manage it, excuse me, manage it themselves. You know, the feds, they do a lot. They've got a lot going on with uh, all these varieties of endangered species and the amount of work. And they're constantly, like I said, they're constantly being sued or, or battling all the time. And so their goal to delist certain animals is to, okay, we can delist this, they've recovered, we can go ahead and move it to the state and the state can manage it. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're automatically going to be hunted or, or that's the goal for management. The whole purpose of it is just so that it's, it's state managed, just like every other species. Um, so I think depending on the area that you're, you're in, you know, Yellowstone, there's definitely quite a few, few grizzly bears. And I think that they've recovered and they've recovered, they've recovered well. And, you know, there's always going to be research and there's always going to be management plans that need to be done. We're not just going to delist them and say, okay, they're good to go. And then just call it good. Every, every animal needs a management plan, whether that's, like I said, hunting them or not hunting them, it's just management. Okay. How are we going to manage these with human bear conflict? What are we going to do? Uh, how, when are we going to set traps? I mean, a management plan, there's, a lot of tools that are involved hunting is just not one of those tools and so um yeah i think in certain areas they're, they're they can definitely be delisted and, and then like i said and then they goes to the states and the state can figure out how they want to management manage it and what they want to do and it takes a load off the federal government yeah it was a really interesting experience a couple of years ago when they got delisted for what felt like 30 seconds mm-hmm. um they had all these <laughs> Uh, management meetings in Wyoming and Jess Johnson, another one of our Artemis co-founders and I both um, attended a lot of public meetings on it. And it was just super interesting. And like the management plan was very, very few grizzlies could be hunted. And it was like a super Mm -hmm. stringent process. And um, it was just really funny going to these meetings and like you have one side of the room that's all like save the grizzlies no 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 don't hunt them and then the other side of the room is all like shoot them up kill them all you know and me and Jess just sat <laughs> in the back like kind of in the middle <laughs> we were just like we're just spectators <laughs> and so we just right. kind of like heard, heard both sides of the argument and like the state's management plan and Grand Teton National Park's idea for a hunt and everything and it was super interesting and I thought it was pretty well thought out. Um, you know, it was only a couple of bears, but you know, there is that part of right. me that, that wishes bears were afraid of humans in some regard <laughs> that weren't. So it's almost like they're just curious at this point because they haven't had guns fired their way or any reason to be scared of humans for a long time. Yeah. And a lot of folks think that you know bears aren't afraid of humans and i don't know if that's necessarily true to be honest i i like i said i think you know bear the grizzly bears are yeah obviously they're much bigger and they can definitely you know they're kind of king of the forest but that doesn't necessarily mean they're not afraid of us as well they just they defend maybe a little bit more than maybe a black bear was but like i said black bears do just the same and they if they want to defend they will defend and they will defend hard and um, you know, the other thing that folks have to remember is that if a hunting a hunting season, and like you said, even if it's one or two bears, it takes some of the load off of bear managers. The amount of bears that bear managers end up having to kill um, or just trap for and then relocate and then trap again and relocate or and then they end up killing them. I mean, it, it, it's a lot. And so 
for somebody to be able to harvest one grizzly bear, it means that they, that, you know, the population is still doing well. And the managers, they get a little bit of a relief and they may not have to kill another grizzly bear that year. Um, so it's, it's helpful. I mean, it, it goes both ways and, and we want the public to, you know, eventually have that opportunity. It doesn't mean it's going to be tomorrow. And it, like you said, it's not going to be a hundred bears. It's going to be a couple of bears and it's just to, it's to help out management because it's hard. Bear management is, it's a tough job. It's a really interesting point because that I don't think we talk enough about because it's not like when we're talking about hunting bears as a part of management, these bears are going to be managed regardless. Uh, and so, and so like you said, it's either the, the state and the rangers doing the management themselves or involving the public in that process. Um, yeah. I think that's a really important point. And, and so when I worked in Florida, there's no, um, they did a hunting season and it didn't go well. And so there hasn't, I don't, I don't know if they've done one this year or not. I don't, I'm not sure if they have, but when I was working there, there was no hunting season for black bears. You know, we've got in my area, we have 1100 black bears and they were prior to me going there, they were doing a bunch of euthanization. They had to, they had so many bears there and the population was doing so well, but they were constantly battling with the public and saying, save the bears. And, you know, to be honest, it was hard not to be like, you want to come on the ground and do my job and do what I have to do. I would rather have hunters taking a couple of these bears a year or 20 bears a year. And the population's still going to thrive, especially in the area I was in the panhandle. I mean, that population was doing so well. The cubs were doing well. Uh, the, you know, the vegetation, everything was going really well. There was no reason not to have a hunting season and to give that opportunity for hunters, especially because they wanted it and they wanted to be able to harvest a bear. I didn't want to have to kill a bear, every single bear that was breaking into something because, you know, they're so, so overpopulated with people in Florida and there's so many people and the, the vegetation and the habitat is just shrinking and so, of course, the bears don't have, they've got places to go, but when there's, they smell garbage or something else better, they're going to go to that, you know. So that was, that was really tough. And I think folks just, they don't realize that, how, how nice it is to be able to allow the public to, to help manage that. And we want the public to be a part of management of wildlife. We don't, we can't be the only people doing it as, you know, bear managers, wildlife managers, elk, deer, all of it. We we want assistance because we can't, we're only one person, so we can't be on the ground constantly. It's really interesting. Let's take a quick break to hear from our partners. We'll be right back. South Dakota is expanding pheasant hunting's horizons and giving sportswomen a greater voice in the field. The connection to nature, the adrenaline of the hunt, the satisfaction of eating the game you harvest. Hunting is our shared legacy. Everyone is welcome to enjoy it. Go to HuntTheGreatestSD.com to hear stories from women who hunt and learn what makes South Dakota the world's pheasant capital. That's HuntTheGreatestSD.com. South Dakota, sportswomen welcome.
Another elk and deer test positive for CWD in Idaho. CWD detected for the first time in Alabama. The CWD Research and Management Act sails through passage in the House. There's no doubt CWD is in the news and there's no doubt it's spreading across the country. There's also no doubt it's a complicated disease and a complicated issue. Artemis and NWF Outdoors are here to help. Check out the CWD Chronicles, where we talk to leading experts about the latest science, policy, and hopes for the future regarding chronic wasting disease. Find it on the NWF Outdoors channels or wherever you get your podcasts. Okay, we're back. Um, this, I, I don't even know where to take us from here because I do have a million different questions, but I want to also recognize that we're coming up on our, on our time. Uh, I guess, is there anything, we've covered a lot of ground. Is there anything else that you want to talk about that we haven't talked about yet? No, Marcia, I think we, we pretty much hit it all. And I just want to, I want to send out a reminder that uh, everybody should carry two cans of bear spray and color and size don't matter. And every bear can climb a tree. <laughs> oh, there you go. I also want to, one thing I've been thinking about the too. More you know. The more <laughs> For real. Um, one thing I've been thinking about too, Amber, in hearing you talk about sort of what happened after the attack, as far as you going back to visit the same spot and being there when Rat Bastard got skinned. Um, I think there's there's a, a confrontation of that fear that I have a lot of respect for and not letting that it, one encounter get in the way of um, your love of being outside. Thank you. I appreciate that. And, and that's why I tell my story. And that's why, you know, even when I'm doing educational stuff, I tell my story and I pulled it you know, kids as young as in third grade. And because I, I don't want to put fear in people, but I want to let people know you can survive. You can go out there, you can hunt in grizzly bear country, you can hunt in black bear country, you can hunt where there are mountain lions and wolves, and you can survive. It's super rare that encounters happen, but you just got to be prepared. And like I said, do your research. And, and like I said, that's why I share my story, because you can survive and you can keep going. Um, you know, that fall, I was back to work, working for Idaho Fishing Game. And I came up on a, I was going after a carcass and of an elk calf that we had collared and a mountain lion came off of it. And I was thinking to myself, you've got to be kidding me. I can only handle one predator a year, you know? Right. <laughs> oh no. Oh no. Not you too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Needless to say, I let that mountain lion have it for the night and went back out with somebody else and we finally got the color. But yeah. <laughs> man. Yeah, you have a uh, you know, I do feel like I always joke um that I have these friends who have this energy that I swear draws wildlife to them. Like I have this friend who could literally run and sing at the top of their lungs through the forest and they would still be like sniffed out by a wolf. And then here's me sitting in the middle of the nowhere and I just get super stoked if I see a ferret. So you seem to have that energy, that wildlife are uh, like, let's go see Amber. Yeah. For, yeah. For better um, and for worse, for sure. But yes. Yeah. 
So it's a very admirable and inspirational story. And um, I'm glad that you shared it. And I hope our listeners really enjoy it and learn a lot because I know I did. Yeah. And I hope they take that. I hope they take the intended message too, right? Like it's not to be afraid, it's to be prepared. Um, Yeah. And I appreciate that as well. Maggie, any burning questions? Oh man, I feel like I asked most of the ones I had. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I, I just, the fact that you don't have any fear going back into the outdoors, I think is, is really cool. Um, because I know people who have had encounters that are like, I'm never going back there again, you know, <laughs> and, and the fact that yeah. you stood up to it, I think is, is just really awesome and something that we can all learn from and be inspired by. Thank you. I appreciate that. Life is too short to sit around and worry about everything. <laughs> right. right. And True I think story. it's really cool too, that, you know, you've, you've kind of like, adapted your senses as far as like losing hearing in your ear to like focus on other things that are going to help you navigate the wilderness when you don't have you know full hearing at your disposal anymore so that's that's a really I don't want to say cool because it's not cool that a grizzly bit you in the skull and made you lose your hearing but like (laughs) it's a really awesome adaptation that you were able to shift your senses in that regard Thank you. Yeah. And you know, some days are, I will say, I'll admit some days are better than other days. Some days I walk out there with my bow and I just start crying and I'm like, I can't hear anything. And you know, whoever I'm with has to pull me together and be like, pull yourself together. You are going to be fine. And I'm like, oh yeah. Okay. And I just keep going. And then there's other days I'm gung-ho head out there and I just keep going. We're calling Elkin and it's a great day, you know? So um it it comes and goes but like you said it's it's got a a neat story it could have been a lot worse I I made it so that's all I count thank you for being here and thank you for sharing your story appreciate it thank you um our great chat with you Amber our closing question you too maybe we have a closing question you're not going anywhere just yet Um, (laughs) our closing question is uh hits and misses what have you been aiming for lately and how did it go maggie what have you been aiming for besides you know growing this baby uh yeah like sleeping at night and being able to roll over (laughs) 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 been aiming to not be totally miserable in pregnancy so that's been good it hasn't been hasn't been so bad um, I feel like there's a lot of, a lot of stuff hyped up that's not, not as bad as I thought it was going to be. <laughs> well, that's good. <laughs> um, so yeah, I've just been getting the nursery ready and got lots of fish and bugs for the nursery and, you know, of course you do at this point. <laughs> I didn't, I hadn't even thought about your nursery. Of course there's bugs and fish in the nursery. <laughs> That's yeah, there's, there's a lot of bugs. A lot of people have found a lot of random baby bug things for me, which has been great. Oh, um, that's fantastic. But yeah, just just surviving this. That's been my 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 goal for the last couple months. Perfect. Well, I can't wait to meet your. Do you know if it's a boy or a girl? It doesn't sound like it. No, we don't. Okay. It's going to be a surprise. I can't wait to meet your little surprise human. Surprise baby. Yay. Yeah. Yep, it's, just, it's just a tiny human at this point. 
Perfect. A human human. <laughs> I correct myself. Nobody's ever made that joke to you before. <laughs> anyway, um, Amber, what have you been aiming for and how did it go? Well, you know, 2022 has uh, thrown a few things, uh, a few mountains in my life. So um, I would say my biggest hit is actually being on this pod- podcast. Not to sound too corny, but I appreciate uh, this program and I appreciate Artemis and being able to be a part of it. And um, I'm just super appreciative. Like I said, I've had a few more misses in January than I would have liked. So mm. we'll, we'll keep it positive. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah. And, and you, we met because you signed up for our Go Confident as an Advocate course in Montana, which I'm so grateful that you signed up to participate in that. And it's been a real pleasure getting to know you. Uh, so thank you for being here. This podcast is a highlight for me as well. Thank you. I appreciate that. Um. And I feel what like, about you, Martha? yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I think I'm gonna, uh, I'm with you, Amber, in that, like, I've definitely hit that part of winter where I'm like, something needs to change or I'm going to go crazy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's just like, I mean, it, I feel like it is, it's, uh, it's just the same day over and over again because it's been so cold and yeah. the weather here has been really consistently the same. And <laughs> just have reached that point where I'm like, Oh my God, I need a beach and I need some sunshine. Um, so yeah. <laughs> my, my hit, like um, current me is doing real favors for future me. And um, that I reserved a forest service cabin um, so I can just get out of my, surroundings and see something different for a couple of days even if it is just like a bunk bed and a wood stove I just need to look at something nice. different so that's my hit is that I I have travel plans on the books and I'm excited for that that'll be awesome yeah that sounds fun I'm looking forward to in Montana it. I'm guessing in Montana yep I have uh I can't travel real far for a variety of reasons right now uh but I can um, travel to one of the many forest service cabins in that Montana has to offer. So yes, excited for that. And we'll see how my new dog does. Um, yeah, away from home for a night. I think she'll be fine, but we'll see. Do you have the hike to it? Oh, a short hike. Um, it says anywhere from one to three miles, depending on snow, um, and how far you can drive back. So not, not too long. Does look like it's a, uh, all up on the way in um because it's <laughs> it's towards um a peak but that'll be fine hopefully i can like nice. cross-country yeah. ski and that would be fun yeah anyway well then it's all down on the way back down so. right <laughs> and i don't care what you're doing i don't care if you're walking or biking or snowshoeing or skiing going down is just more fun <laughs> i really do believe that running it's more fun when you're going down Trying to think, is there anything that's not? Mm, I mean, elevators aren't that fun. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> <laughs> Up or We're down, though. Even powered stuff. <laughs> yeah. Cool. That's probably my miss. Is that I wanted to do? We have a forest service cabin not too far from us, but it's it's probably like a ten mile. Oh, or yeah. so skiing and uh, the dates that were available, I was like, yeah, it's a little too close to delivery. I don't want to run the risk of being 10 miles yeah. back in the 
Yellowstone yeah. wilderness <laughs> and having a baby. It's funny. As I admirable just... as the pioneers were, um, I don't think I could do that. <laughs> right? <laughs> I mean, you could, <laughs> but why would you want to, right? Like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Intense. Make sure your husband's all up to date on how to deliver. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a lot. Well, um, mine's in March, so the baby should be like a month old by then, and you guys can uh, come join us. Bring it on. Cool. <laughs> That's, I, I got uh, <laughs> permits to do the Teton Crest Trail. Oh. in like September, I think. And so that's my motivating factor is like being able to do that post baby. Nice. I want to, I want to yeah. get there. So at least I've got some light, light shining at the end of the tunnel for a little bit of adventure. I like it. After the train wreck that's about to happen to my body. <laughs> I, look, <laughs> I look forward to hearing about it and following you on your journey. Yeah. <laughs> Amber, thanks again for joining us. It was lovely to talk with you. Maggie, it was wonderful to have you back on the podcast. Thanks. Thanks, Marsha. This was awesome. Yeah, thank you. Uh, to our listeners, thank you for joining us this week on the Artemis Podcast. We hope you're having a great week. Until next time, be bold, stay curious, and get outside with your bear spray. Thank mm-hmm. you.